1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive as I am taught the Word of God. My life has changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. We've been in a new Sunday morning series about the four things we must confess. We've dealt with who we are in Christ and where we are in Christ. And beginning today, we're getting to new ground, and that is what we possess, what belongs to us in Christ Jesus. One of our launching scriptures in this series has been Proverbs 18 and verse 21, which says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So right now in your life, you are, and you have what you have been saying, what you have been confessing. A lot of us don't realize the power that our words have, the power that our confession has. As we've learned to change your life and your circumstances for the better, you've got to change what you are saying. You've got to change what you are confessing. Too many people, and sadly, too many Christians, they speak death to their life and circumstances. They speak negativity to their life and circumstances. They speak worry and fear or uh, the worst possible outcome to their life and to their circumstances. Sadly, for too many people and too many believers, death and negativity is the default. But as we've learned, words spoken in faith will put positive pressure on your circumstances to change for the better. Words, positive words spoken in faith based on the Word of God will put positive pressure on your circumstances. Another launching scripture from the beginning of this series was Isaiah 55, beginning in verse 8. The Lord said through Isaiah, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower, and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire, and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And as we begin this new section, and that is what we possess in Christ, 
You have to realize, you have to understand and see in your life and in your circumstances that it is the Word of God that has power. It is the Word of God that has authority. And it's the Word of God spoken in your mouth, out of your mouth, that has authority in your life and in your circumstances to see your life and your circumstances line up with the Word of God. It is the Word of God that has power. Now, previously, we learned four steps to make God's Word work in your life and in your circumstances. And as we begin a new section, I want to review this again. Four steps to make God's Word work in your life and in your circumstances. First, decide what you want from God and find two to three scriptures that cover whatever you're believing God for, whatever the need is, whatever the request is. Find two to three scriptures that cover what you're believing God for. Our Heavenly Father confirms the Word. You see that at the end of Mark 16. It says that the Lord worked with them confirming the Word. He, he honors His Word. He confirms His Word. So find whatever it is, whatever the need is, find two or three scriptures that cover your case or the situation. Second, ask God for the things you desire and believe that you receive them. And that's based on Mark 11, 22 to 24. Third, let every thought, let every desire affirm that your heavenly Father has heard you, he's answered you, and you have what you've asked for. And if he's heard you, if he's answered you, we ought to be happy, we ought to be joyful, we ought to be cheerful, amen. When someone asks us, they ask, how's it going? We ought to say by faith what the Lord is doing in our lives because he has heard us, he has answered us, we have the answer whatever it is, amen? So we ought to speak, we ought to confess, we ought to declare accordingly and say what you want, amen? You know, I'm thinking of an example in the Old Testament. Man in the Old Testament said, that which I feared or that which I dreaded has come upon me. This past week, Michaela was asking me about the difference between the voice of the Lord and the voice of Satan. I was explaining to her that our Heavenly Father, by the Spirit of God, He speaks to us here. But that Satan, He deals with us here in the mind. And I was explaining to her that when temptation comes or wrong thoughts or whatever it is, it's here and not here. And so just because a temptation comes, just because in your mind you instantly think about some negative scenario or outcome, don't open your mouth and speak it. Don't open your mouth and say it. Rebuke those thoughts. Paul said, take captive. How many, how many of our thoughts? Every thought and make it obedient unto who? Unto Christ. Take captive. Every thought and make it obedient unto Christ. So third, let every thought and desire affirm that you have what you've asked for. And fourth, constantly confess the promises from God's word that cover your case your situation. We ask once in faith. Then from that point forward, we believe we receive. And in one way we do that is by confessing what the Word says. One way we do that is by thanking our Heavenly Father that He's heard us. He has answered us on the basis of His Word. Now at 9 a.m., my father said, we ought not just confess the Word. We also need to speak to the problem. We got to speak to the mountain. And you can study that out in Mark chapter 11. Jesus was hungry. There was a fig tree. It had no fruit. And what's interesting is the Bible specifically says that it was not the time 
for the fig tree to have fruit. It was not the time of year. It was not the season for the fig tree to have fruit. But that didn't matter to Jesus. He was hungry. He wanted something to eat. There was no fruit on the fig tree. So he spoke to it and cursed it. Then later the disciples saw that the fig tree had withered. It was cursed. And it, that manifested immediately. And then, short time after that, he taught them about faith. Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in God. But it actually says, have the God kind of faith. What kind is the God kind of faith? Well, Paul told us that our Heavenly Father speaks and calls things that be not as though they were. So don't just confess the word. Don't just thank God on the base of the word. You speak to your life. You speak to your circumstances. And instead of verbalizing what you fear, instead of verbalizing what you're worried about, instead of verbalizing what you're, you're afraid might happen, instead, say what you want. And say what is going to happen because you know who you are in Christ, where you are in Christ, and as we're getting to what belongs to you in Christ. As we've learned, according to the Word of God, we're everything God says we are, regardless of whether or not we're experiencing His Word and the blessings of His Word in our life and in our circumstances. To live a victorious Christian life, you must know who you are in Christ, where you are in Christ, what you possess in Christ, and what you can do in Christ. And today we're getting to what we possess in Christ what belongs to us in Christ, the blessings and the benefits that are ours in Christ Jesus. When you go to work for a new company, they let you know about the pay, about the salary structure, however that's handled. You might also find out about the benefits. And it would be a silly thing to go work for a company and to not know about the benefits. It would be a silly thing to go work for a company and not take advantage of the benefits, whatever they are. And in Christ, because of what he did on our behalf, we have great, wonderful benefits. And you might say, Austin, this sounds too good to be true. It does sound too good to be true, but it is true, and we see it in the Word of God. What do we possess in Christ? What belongs to us in Christ? Second Peter 1, beginning in verse 3. His divine power has given us everything. Say everything. everything. See, in him, we have everything we need. And that's why, as pastor has dealt with us the last two years, it is a great test of faith. No matter what's going on, no matter what's going on in the world, to look to God, to look to our Heavenly Father as our source, as our supply, as our provider. To not, we're thankful for the job, amen, but God is our source. To look to our wonderful Heavenly Father as our source, our supply, our provider. Not to look to men or women, not to look to the government, not to look to the world, but to look to our Heavenly Father as our source and our supply. His divine power has given us everything. Say everything. everything. Everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him. So notice we have everything that we need in Him, but it's through what? It's through our knowledge of Him. And where do we get this knowledge of Christ? We get this knowledge of Christ in the Word of God. But what if we don't open up the Word of God and find out what it says? What if we don't open up the Word of God and find out what belongs to us, what is ours in Christ Jesus? 
What if we don't open up the Bible and find out what is ours and then we make it ours in our life and in our circumstances? His divine power has given us everything. Say everything. Everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge. So we have to know what the word says. See, a lot of people, they, they put things off, they blame others, they blame God. They say, well, this is the circumstance because it's the will of God. All of that is excuse making. Got to get into the word of God and find out what's yours, what belongs to you, and then you have to make it yours by taking action on the word of God. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. You know, different people say there's this number of promises, that number of promises. There are thousands upon thousands of promises in the word of God. The apostle Paul said that they are all yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Through his very great and precious promises so that through them you may. Say may. See, we, we have a part to play. So through them you may, say may again. May. You may participate. And this answers a lot of questions. Austin, how come, if this is true, how come everybody's not walking in the blessing of the Lord? If this is true, if, as we're about to get to, if God's word is healing, how come everyone's not walking in the reality of that promise? Well, the answer's here. Peter gave us the answer so that through them you may. Say, I may. So what's the difference between may and will? It's knowing about it. It's appropriating it and making it yours in your life, and it's walking in it. And by taking action on the word of God, so that through them you may, say, I may, I may. participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So you may. But the difference between may and will is knowing about it believing it, making it yours, and taking action on the Word of God. And you go back up to the beginning of this passage, to verse 3, it all goes back to our knowledge of the Word of God. And that, that's why Satan is all about us not knowing what the Word says. You might have heard my father tell the story. A few years ago, you know, time is going by so fast. I don't remember if it'd be five years ago or seven years ago. But I got invited to a minister's meeting, one of the largest full gospel churches in the country, and I took Jessica with me, and uh, we were horrified by some of the things that we heard. But one of the things that they were encouraging us, and the, if I told the people in the room, everybody would be aghast. But one of the things they emphasized was using as little scripture as possible in sermons, and then not even giving the Bible references. And of course, the problem with this is that it's God's word that has power. It's God's word that produces results. Now, with no Bible, people might want to come and have a good time, might make everyone feel good, but there's no power in it. It is God's word that has power. It is God's word that will change our life and our circumstances for the better. But we have to know what the word says. And given the verse all the time, Romans 10, 17, how does faith come? By hearing. By hearing what? I know, by hearing what the news says. I know by hearing about this new variant, 
and that new variant, is that, is that how faith comes? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So if people don't hear, hear the Word, will they have any faith? People don't hear the Word, will they have any faith for what belongs to them in Christ? So it's all about our knowledge, and this is why the answer is here, you may participate. And why are there so many believers and they're not participating in the blessings of the Lord? Because they don't know about it. They've not been told about it. They haven't heard what the Word says about it. People don't get prayers answered because they don't take the time to study the Word of God for themselves. They don't get God's Word into their hearts and above their problems. Psalm 37, 4. This is one of my life verses. Delight yourself in the Lord. How do we do that? How do we delight ourselves in the Lord? By meditating on His Word day and night. It's what God told Joshua. It's the life that David lived, taking delight in the law of the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Jesus said in John 15, 7, if you remain in me and my words, whose words? The words of Jesus. And you'll hear me say sometimes, devotionals are wonderful. Devotionals have a place. They have a purpose. But none of that can be a substitute for you opening your Bible and reading it for yourself and finding out who you are in Christ and where you are in Christ and what belongs to you in Christ. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. So we have to abide in him and his word has to abide in us. And when we live that kind of life, then his word will have dominion in our lives. 1 John 5, beginning in verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything, say anything, according to his will, he hears us. Someone might say, well, Austin, I don't know about what the will of God is. When someone says they don't know what the will of God is, they're, they're giving away, they don't know what the word of God says. We know his will by his word. And if you want to find out what the will of God is, you've got to find out what his will word says if we ask anything according to his will we could say it this way if we ask anything according to his word he hears us and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we know that we have what we have asked of him so when we ask according to his will which is according to his word we know that he hears us and we know that we have whatever we have asked of him so you can't escape the fact that you've got to find out what the Word of God says. You've got to spend time in the Word of God. When we teach on prayer, we encourage people to get started and to be consistent. We have the daily Bible reading on the, the website. We have the daily Bible reading on the app. It's, it makes it really easy. But you have to get started. You've got to take the time, set the time aside, and open up your Bible and begin to read it and study it for yourself. And we have the time. We all have the time. You know, here at St. Paul's, when occasionally I'll talk to the high school students about life choices in college. And when I went to college, you know, typically most people took 15 hours a semester. Well, now they purposely try and talk young people into just doing 9 or 12 hours a semester. And it's a great big scam or racket because they want everybody to take five years or six years to finish because it's more money for the university. And they, they convince young people, well, you, you got to have a, a balanced life. It's just simple math. You can go to school full-time. You, you can work full-time. You can do all these things and still have time left over. 
It's just simple math. And so I'll put the math on the board for the students so they can see it. We have time to pray. We all have time to pray. We all have time to pray more. We all have time to read the Bible. We all have time to read the Bible more. And if you've got one of these newer phones, you can go to where it'll show you how much time you're spending on your phone every day, every week, every month. And now with the newest software, I know mine, it'll show me how much time I'm spending in this application every day, every week, every month. So we have the time. If you're like, did he look at my, and I haven't looked at your phone. We have the time. And you have the time. Maybe start out reading a chapter a day and two chapters a day and then three chapters a day. But start and be consistent, amen? Because it is God's word that has power. And it is God's word that'll change your life and your circumstances for the better. Maybe two years ago, my father sent Aaron and I to spend some time with the minister. He, li he likes us, nice, nice, wonderful pastor. But in the course of spending the day with him, he, as I got to know him, it became apparent that he listens to a mishmash of all these different things. And in talking to me and asking me about my father and about me and what we, we listened to, he, he was surprised at how little we listened to. But the reason for that is focus. If you were to ask me, well, Austin, like your father, who do you listen to? Kenneth Hagin, John Osteen, the Goldie Oldies, amen, Fred Price. But that's part of what enables us to be focused. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, I don't listen to a mishmash, this and that and all these different things, because if I do, it'll get me confused in my heart. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, and it is the word that has power. To live a victorious Christian life, you have to know and confess what you possess. Say, what I possess, what I possess. In, Christ. in Christ. Say, what belongs to me, belongs to me. In, Christ. in Christ. Now, you may not know about it, but it's got your name written, in it, written on it. Amen. You may not know about it, but it belongs to you. And this is our inheritance. As a child of God, you have an inheritance. You have something wonderful that has been left to you by the richest person in the universe. A poor man or woman doesn't typically leave a will, and it's because they have nothing to give or to leave behind. When you leave a will, when someone leaves a will, it means they have something that they want to pass on to others, to their heirs. Jesus left us a will. He left us his last will and testament. And testament literally means will. The New Testament is his last will and testament. It is a legal document ratified by heaven, and Jesus is the executive administrator. But he cannot execute the will in your life if you don't cooperate. And the heirs cannot cooperate if they don't know what is legally theirs. The heirs cannot cooperate if they are ignorant of the fact that they are indeed heirs. If an heir doesn't know he has an inheritance, how can he claim it? How can he possess it? And this is how Satan keeps many Christians defeated and in bondage because they don't know what belongs to them in Christ. They don't know that they're putting up with and tolerating and 
permitting something in their life that Jesus Christ paid the price for for them to be free of. They, they don't know they're doing without for no reason because Jesus paid the price so they could walk in the blessing of Almighty God. Say, I have an inheritance. I have an inheritance. Say, I have an inheritance. And I don't care who your grandpa is. This is more wonderful than any earthly inheritance. Say, I have an inheritance. inheritance. Look over at Ephesians 1, beginning in verse 18. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Say, I have an inheritance. Say, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Say, say, it's mine. It's mine. Say, it belongs, to me. it belongs to me. Now, I use the example of a job. If you got a new job this week, making more money, your employer would think you were a fool if you went to work the first day and said, well, I know that you've offered to pay me $75,000 a year, but I feel like I'm only good enough for 50, so make it 50 they would really begin to regret their decision hiring you. Or if you went to work and the benefits were full health care, matching for savings, free dental care, free child care, I mean, just, just you know, everything everybody wants from the government, right? <laughs> but, but if you went to work and there are all these benefits, you say, well, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy. Well, you, we would all agree that's silly. We would all agree that that is ridiculous. But this this is how God's children do him. There is so much that belongs to us in Christ, but because of religion, they say, I'm not good enough. Because of religion, they say, I'm not worthy enough. Because of religion, they say, it doesn't belong to me. And even worse than people, as we learned last week and the week before, people then blame what the devil is doing, the stealing, killing, and destroying. They blame it on God, and they say it's God. Imagine how that makes our Heavenly Father feel. The third thing we must confess is what we possess in Christ. And what do we possess in Christ? Well, first, we possess divine health in Christ. Say, I possess possess divine health health in Christ. Christ. Say, healing Healing is the will of God. God. Say, even better, better. divine health is God's best and it belongs to me me. now let's just deal with some religious things there are people and they're of the mindset that God makes his children sick there are people they're of the mindset that God makes his children sick to teach them something you know as a father there's nothing that grieves me more than when one of our children aren't feeling their best there's nothing that saddens me more causes me causes me greater concern than when one of our children isn't feeling their best, they're they're overcoming, or because of whatever they're facing in their body, they're having a hard time sleeping. That, That grieves me as a father. But what kind of father would I be if to teach one of our children something, I purposely made them sick? Or if to teach them a lesson, to teach them something, I put something in their food to purposefully make them sick. Well, that would, be, that would be real child abuse. That would be a wicked, wicked thing. 
Yet people accuse our Heavenly Father of that all the time, making his children sick to teach them something. As we've explained when we've been in places in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 28 is an example. When God told his children through Moses that if they didn't obey, these curses would come upon them. In many translations, the translators use the word cause, but in the Hebrew, it could just as easily be permit. And the reason for this is because of Adam's sin, the curse is in the earth. And the curse is sin. The curse is sickness. The curse is poverty. And the curse is death. Because of Adam's sin, the curse is in the earth. And as we've learned, don't, I can't give you the date. Galatians 3, 13 and 14, Christ came to redeem us from what? The curse of the law. The curse is in the earth, but Jesus came to redeem us from the curse. And so we don't have to live our lives with the curse's foot on us anymore. But the curse is in the earth because of Adam's sin. But that doesn't mean that God's causing this or that. Let me give you an example. When a few years ago it came out that the community of Flint, Michigan had been poisoned by the water supply, that, that's not God making little children sick. That is the result of the curse being in the earth. And one evidence of that curse is corrupt government and corrupt politicians. But it's an evil, wicked thing to say, well, God's doing this and God's doing that. And God put a sickness upon this little child to teach them or their parents something. That, that's wicked. That is evil. And in Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel, Jesus said, if we as human beings, though we are evil, meaning imperfect, if we, though we are evil, give good gifts to our children, how much more will our heavenly father give good things? Say good things to those who ask. And one example is, the Holy Spirit. But before he said that, he said it. Would a father give a child a rock? Would a father give a child a snake? You know, our children are little, so they're still at that age where man, they're excited about Christmas and they want to know what they're getting for Christmas and do we really have to go to sleep and can we open presents now and all of that. Well, what kind of father would I be if you know, they opened their boxes on Christmas and there were rocks in the box. What kind of father would I be if they opened their gifts on Christmas and there were snakes in the box? That would be evil. That would be wicked. But think of what people accuse our heavenly father of. So you got to know what the word says. And you got to know who our heavenly father is on the basis of his word. And you got to know what belongs to you so you can walk in it you can make it yours, you can have it in your life. First, we possess divine health in Christ. Turn in your Bible over to Mark chapter 9. And again, this is why. The, the, the thing that would fix the wrong beliefs of most people is just spending time in the Word of God. Just reading the Bible. Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. 
So the boy was mute, couldn't speak. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. Now just for a moment, try and put yourself in the father's position. If you were the father and saw your child suffer this way, how would it make you feel? How would you pray? How would you grieve? How would you cry night after night? Well, let's, let's find out what Jesus is really like. Let's find out what our heavenly father is really like. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. And later, Jesus explained the reason why. Oh, unbelieving generation, he replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Remember I said last Sunday and the Sunday before that in Christ we have authority over the works of the enemy. And authority trumps power. So Satan can put on whatever display he wants, but authority trumps power every time. So notice, this is an example of that. Satan put on a great big display, but Jesus was not dismayed by it. Wasn't dismayed by it. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, verse 23, this is what I wanted you to see. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You, so he spoke to it. You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. Again, a great big display, but authority trumps power. The boy looked so much like a corpse, many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Verse 23, if you can, everything, say everything, everything. is possible for him who believes. Jesus revealed God in the flesh. You'll never find one place in the Gospels where Jesus made anyone sick. You'll never find one place in the Gospels where someone came to Jesus for healing and he said no. On one occasion, a Syrophoenician woman who was a Gentile came asking for deliverance for her daughter and Jesus spoke a little harshly, but his point was that at that time his, the purpose of his ministry was to the Jews. But she answered him wisely. She said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall off the children's table. And the Bible says that her, her daughter was delivered that same hour. See, Jesus reveals to us what our heavenly father is like. There's not a single place where he told someone no. There's not a single time where he made someone sick. There's not a single time where he left someone worse off than he found them. Say this, say, healing, healing. is the will of God for my life and say even better divine health is God's best say say I possess divine health in Christ Jesus now last Sunday the Sunday before we gave you the verse Jesus said Luke's gospel nothing will harm you and if that's true we got to believe it if that's true we've got to act like it 
If that's true, we got to say it and live our lives like it. Doesn't matter what's going on in the world. Doesn't matter what the, the latest thing everyone is afraid of. Doesn't matter what the latest variant is. Jesus said, nothing, say nothing. Nothing will harm you. We got to believe it. The Father said to Jesus, if you can. Jesus said, everything is possible for him who believes. But how can we believe if we don't know? How can we believe if we don't know what the Word says? How can we believe if we don't know what belongs to us and what we possess in Christ Jesus? How can we know if we've been told that all of these terrible things are the will of God and we don't know about all the wonderful things that belong to us in Christ? Everything is possible for him who believes. Let me give you another example. Look over at Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Luke 5, beginning in verse 12, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. But Jesus was not afraid. He let the lepers come near him. More than one occasion, he touched leprosy. And leprosy is actually truly something that is frightening. It is a contagious skin disease. There are places where they still have leper colonies. Most people don't know about it. And yet he touched the lepers. And so on this occasion, he came along, he's covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him. Imagine suffering with something that eats away at the body. Imagine suffering with something that eats away at the extremities of the body. Your toes, your fingers, your nose, your, your ears. Imagine having something that you picked up somewhere, not your fault, picked up somewhere, suffering in your body, eating away at your body, you're dying of it, but then to have to be excluded from society, can't be with family, can't be with friends, have to go live in a place where other people are suffering with the same disease. Imagine how terrible, imagine how sad, imagine how awful. And so he comes to Jesus, he begged him, he begged him, he begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand, and touched the man. I am willing. Be clean. And immediately, say immediately, immediately, the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifice Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. If you take your time and take your time and carefully and slowly read the Gospels, you'll see on occasions where it specifically says, Jesus healed all the sick, each and every one who came, again and again and again. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He said, I am willing. Say this, say, healing is mine. Healing is mine. Say, healing belongs to me. Say, Jesus paid the price so that I could be healed in my body, in my life. But even better, divine health is God's best. Now, why does divine health belong to us? Sickness is a part of the curse. Galatians 3, beginning in verse 13, Christ came and redeemed us from the curse of the law. So we, the curse has no right. The curse has no place. The curse 
has no authority in our lives. Say, I possess, I possess divine, health divine health in Christ Jesus. In Christ and see, we know from his word he's willing. Say, he's willing. he's willing. Whatever the problem is, whatever the difficulty is, whatever the physical challenge is, he's willing. The Bible tells us that healing is the children's bread. But to, to know about it, to have it, to walk in it, to make it yours, you have to know about it. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. If you can, everything is possible for him who believes, if you're willing. And Jesus said, I am willing. Say this, say, he's willing. He's willing. Say, it's mine. it's mine. Say, it belongs to me. Belongs to say, healing is mine. Divine health is mine. My heavenly Father desires that in 2021, when people are afraid of sickness and disease and viruses, that I not only walk in divine healing, but that I also walk in divine health as a witness, as a testimony to a lost world, in Jesus' name. See, we're, we're to be the light. Nothing will harm us. Nothing will harm us. Nothing will harm us. This past week I read, and it's sad, that because of people being convinced to hide and stay home for a year, year and a half, that worldwide there is an explosion of cases of respiratory illness amongst little children. Why? Because they haven't been outside. They've been kept at home. So in the midst of all of this fear and all of this panic, we ought to know what the Word says. We ought to know who we are in Christ. We ought to know where we are in Christ. We ought to know what belongs to us in Christ. And not only is healing ours, divine health is ours in Christ Jesus. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.